0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, my What Is Woman? college tour gets off to a roaring start. There are a few moments from last night that are worth further discussion. We'll talk about that. Also, the governor of Oklahoma pledges to ban child gender transitions. The movement is growing across the country. Plus, after lots of stops and starts, it seems that Elon Musk will finally take over Twitter. And you can imagine the left is not very happy about that. In our daily cancellation, a new dating app targeting conservatives earns derision from the left. We'll talk about all that and more today on the Matt Wall Show. Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe is a huge, albeit long overdue, step in the right direction, but there's still a long way to go to rid our country of abortion. Many companies are bowing to the woke mob by donating to pro-choice causes and candidates or reimbursing their employees' travel expenses so that if they live and work in a pro-life state, they can travel to a pro-abortion state, get an abortion, be back at work on Monday, which is all, of course, these companies care about. But what if I told you that if you're currently on a phone plan with one of the major carriers? You might be supporting these companies and their pro-abortion agendas with your monthly phone bill. Don't let abortionists use your money to fund policies you don't believe in. Switch to Charity Mobile instead. Charity Mobile is a pro-life, pro-family cell phone company that sends 5% of your monthly plan price to the pro-life charity of your choice. You don't have to compromise on values or good phone service. Charity Mobile offers the latest 5G phones, no device or service contracts, great nationwide coverage, and live customer service based right here in the U.S. The fight for the Right to life continues and pro-life causes need your support. You can help by simply switching your phone service to Charity Mobile today. Call 1-877-474-3662 or chat with them online at charitymobile.com and mention offer code Walsh to redeem a free cell phone offer. That's uh, charitymobile.com and mention code Walsh. So yesterday I began officially my What is a Woman college tour with our first stop at Catholic University in Washington, D.C. I'm happy to report that it was a very successful event. Tremendous turnout. We screened the film earlier in the day and filled uh, the room for the screening. And then actually we filled a a second room for the screening, too. There wasn't enough room in the first room. Then we moved to the speech and the Q&A where we packed the campus auditorium to capacity and above. I'm told we had around 750 people, which I'm also told is the second highest turnout for a speaker at Catholic University in its history behind only the Pope. So I have to take second place to the Pope, which uh, is okay. There was a leftist counter event that was meant to, I guess, pull attendance away from us, a little bit of counter-programming strategy, and that attracted um, 40 people. So the final score was 750 to 40 which is like, that's like, uh, you know, if an NBA team played in the WNBA, kind of like that's what the final score would be. And I don't mean to gloat about it. That's not my point. I mean, I do mean to gloat about it. But also, I have a couple of uh, thoughts after last night that I wanted to share. A couple of moments I think are worth uh, talking about. So one of the women who got up to speak during the Q&A was a mother from Fairfax County who's uh, been fighting to get pornographic material removed from uh, the schools there. And she's met lots of resistance and, and so far has not been able to get it all removed, you know, because, uh, of course, it's extremely controversial to suggest that kids should not be given pornography as reading material in class. As she described her efforts um, and, uh, you know, and, and talked about it, people in the crowd began to applaud and pretty soon they were all standing. So this mom ended up receiving a, a lengthy standing ovation for, you know, what she's been doing to fight against this madness at her school board meetings, which uh, made her quite emotional as well, because she said that she felt alone in the fight and uh, felt somewhat helpless and appreciated the encouragement. This is something that I encounter often when I'm on the road, um, all the time. Uh, Conservatives who tell me that they they feel like they're totally alone. I hear from people all the time who tell me that uh, they enjoy listening to this show because it makes them feel sane. It lets them know that they're not the only ones in the world who think this way. But of course, they're not the only ones. Of course, they're not. See, this is one of the great lies that our culture tells. It makes you believe that if you have basic common sense, if you have what we now call traditional values, uh, if you believe in basic moral decency, if you think that uh, we shouldn't be giving porn to kids in school, if you're not on board with the LGBTification of everything in life, then uh, you're a freak, we're told. You're a weirdo. You're alone, you know? Because the left owns all of the power structures in society, it can then isolate and alienate those who oppose it. It can gaslight, telling you that you must be crazy, right? You're the strange one if you don't believe that men can have babies. And if it cannot successfully trick you into abandoning your beliefs, you know, it wants to get you to kind of look around and say, well, uh, everyone disagrees with me on this. It seems like, I, I mean, I feel like it must be true. It's pretty obvious to me. Everyone disagrees. And so maybe I'm wrong. You know, how could the whole world be right or wrong? And I'm the only one who's right. But if they can't get you to abandon your beliefs like that, at least they want you to feel hopeless. Like there's no point in defending yourself or your beliefs. The fight is uh, futile. But this again is all a lie. I am a right wing terrorist extremist, I'm told. And if I can go onto a college campus and have 750 kids show up, uh, that's a pretty good indication that we are larger in number. Than it may sometimes seem. We're not as alone as we feel at times. And it's important to realize that because the other reason why they want you to think you're alone is so that you don't attempt to mobilize and organize. That's exactly what we need to be doing. There was one other moment last night that uh, might be worth further comment. So there was a young lady who got up to uh, ask, I think, a very fair question. She said, if I'm such a critic of the so-called gender affirming, if I'm a critic of the gender affirming model, if I don't believe that we should be affirming a child in their gender confusion, then what approach would I recommend? That was the question. We'll play that exchange for you now.
1: We can see from your documentary that um, the affirmative model of treating gender dysphoria through transition is taking the wrong approach of addressing a really serious issue. So my question is, what would you say is a better approach to ultimately help those who experience the real pain of gender dysphoria that does not involve transitioning?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I I guess I would advocate for uh, the approach that was generally used uh, up until extremely recently, which is that if somebody is confused uh, about who they are, about their identity, then we try to treat that confusion. You know, we see the confusion itself as the problem. Uh, you're not the problem. You know, your body is not the problem. There's nothing wrong with, with you as a, as a person, nothing wrong with your body. It's, uh, there's something going on, going on in your mind. And so we're going we're gonna to help you accept yourself for who you really are. And that, that's, the, that's one of the things I hate so much about what they call the gender-affirming model, is that what that means is that you've got people coming in, especially kids who hate themselves and they hate their bodies and they see themselves as, as uh, ugly and, and monstrous. And what they're hearing, and there might be rainbow flags and smiles and everything attached to it, but what they're hearing from the therapist is, you're right, you should feel that way about yourself. And I just find that it's abominable. It really is. And so it, I would advocate an approach of true self-acceptance. Accept, accept yourself for who you are. Uh, if you are a girl, that's a beautiful thing. If you're a boy, that's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing. And uh, it, it's okay to be that. So what I'm trying to point to there is, um, is self-acceptance. So when I was a kid, self-acceptance was a big deal. We heard about it all the time when I was a kid. If you grew up in the 90s, you were constantly hearing about self-acceptance and you should accept yourself for who you are. It was preached constantly uh, all the time. Love yourself for who you are, they said. And there was a time when, I admit, I kind of argued against that emphasis because I believed that it it breeds narcissism and self-involvement. If you're telling people all the time to focus on themselves, accept themselves. Also, I figured, Nobody really needs much help in accepting themselves. I mean, you are yourself. What can you do but accept it? But that was before gender ideology grabbed our society by the throat. Now that it has, self-acceptance takes on uh, a new meaning and new urgency. Because the culture now encourages people, especially kids, to reject and hate themselves. When a child goes to a therapist or a doctor or a guidance counselor or often now a parent saying that she feels as though her body is all wrong, that she's all wrong, her very person is somehow wrong, she she is then greeted with affirmation. But what are they affirming? They're not affirming her as as a self. That's not what they're doing. It's herself that she hates and rejects. So they are affirming That hatred and rejection. They're not affirming her. They're affirming how she feels about herself. They are agreeing with her that herself is wrong, is ugly, is sick, is broken, is in need of drastic medical and cosmetic intervention. She hates her girlhood. You know, she hates who she are and she's told, yeah, well, yeah, you should hate it. You're not wrong for hating it. Here you go. Take these pills. Uh, get, this, get this surgery. We will help you destroy the parts of you that you cannot bring yourself to accept. That's the affirmation model. And it is, as I said in the clip, an abominable, contemptible message. Now, the gospel uh, preaches about self-denial as a, as a positive good. But this is not the kind of self-denial that we're talking about, okay? It's one thing to subordinate your own desires in service to a greater good, which is the sort of self-denial that we should practice and we should promote. That's good self-denial. But the satanic gospel of leftism urges us to deny our very nature, to deny our uh, very selfhood. And to attempt to demolish ourselves and build a new self out of the rubble. But here's here's the problem, is that when you do that, and you tear yourself to pieces, and you even uh, uh, cut pieces of yourself off, you're still left with yourself. It's still yourself, even after it's been rebuilt. That's the lie. You can't actually escape yourself. Um, you can't escape who you fundamentally biologically are. you can only become a more broken version of what you once were and that's what and that's what happens. And this takes on a very uh grotesque and literal sort of connotation oftentimes when a girl goes in for you know quote unquote bottom surgery and they are, literally peeling parts of her body off to to attach to other parts of her body to try to make a new body but it's not a new body it's all still you it's just been rearranged in a grotesque unnatural very disordered way what was once natural and good and functional is uh, is now unnatural and and destructive and uh, and not functional so, what approach should we be taking? It's an approach of self-acceptance. We say to uh, the people who are struggling with this that there's there's actually nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with who you are. Um, it's it's good that you are who you are. And you should accept that and love that about yourself. And then help them get there. That should be the approach. Now, let's get to our five headlines. You know, chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and uh, even new carpet. Whether that's for your classic or your daily driver— You can get everything you need with just a few easy clicks delivered straight to your door. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices you prefer. Amazing selection. They've always got reliably low prices, too. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. So all you got to do is go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. RockAuto.com. And as always, be sure to write Walsh in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that I sent you. Okay, so Chris Ruffo reports uh, some good news here as the movement spreads. uh, He says, Oklahoma Governor Stitt has signed legislation blocking Oklahoma Children's Hospital from conducting child sex change interventions, including puberty blockers, hormones, and genital surgeries. Uh, He has vowed to ban the practice statewide in the next uh, legislative session. And the statement here from the governor's office, I'm pulling it up, it says... Today, Governor Stitt signed uh, SB3XX, which blocks funding to prevent gender transition services for minors at Oklahoma Children's Hospital at OU Health. The bill went into effect immediately upon the governor's signature. Uh, Governor Stitt said, by signing this bill today, we are taking the first step to protect children from permanent gender transition surgeries and therapies. It is wildly inappropriate for taxpayer dollars to be used for condoning, promoting, or performing these types of controversial procedures on healthy children. And he continued, I'm calling for the legislator to ban all irreversible gender transition transition surgeries and hormone therapies on minors when they convene next session. We cannot turn a blind eye to what's happening all across our nation as governor. I will not allow life-altering transition surgeries on minor children in the state of Oklahoma. So uh, by the way, Oklahoma, uh, Governor Stitt, he's definitely one of the good ones. Oklahoma has their act together. um, And uh, they're one of the states that I believe last year banned CRT in, in classrooms and So they're getting it together and we see how this uh, movement is growing to ban the castration and mutilation of children. Um, And the good news is that there's a there's a a snowball effect here because, you know, when one state does it, when you see this this movement in one state, in one area, and then the pressure, the pressure is on in other states, especially red states. uh, Like, why haven't you done the same thing now? to to protect all kids across the country to legally protect all kids across the country from this kind of abuse you know that's uh, that's not something we're going to be able to do overnight um, because we know in, in blue states just like what happened with a, with abortion uh, it, w- when they see that it's being banned in certain states they're going to respond by being even more radical so what they're going to do is they're going to go the opposite way they're going to start and we're already seeing this happening actually they're going to start lowering the age limit for all of these kinds of surgeries and as california has done they're going to say we're a sanctuary state now for child sex change operations uh you know come, come to us and we'll yeah we'll we'll, we'll mutilate your child's genitals so that's what's going to happen in blue states um i'm not we of course cannot be satisfied with that okay this is not one of those things where, oh, well it's a states rights issue and eh, you know as long as we can just take care of your own state and that's all that matters Uh, No, the the kids who live in blue states, kids who live in California, it's not their fault they live in California. They didn't choose that. So we're not going to abandon them. But that's going to take federal action. And that means winning back the House and Senate and also winning the the White House in 2024. And that also means um, sending the message to any presidential candidate or any candidate running for the House or Senate that you need to come out fully in support of these Laws to ban this kind of child abuse. You know, we we as voters need to send the message that we are not going to support you unless you make clear that this will be high on your um, agenda. And but in the red states, before we get there, you know, there's no reason why we can't pass these bans in every single red state. And as I'm, I'm always reminding people. One of the reasons they haven't been banned yet is that many average voters in these states didn't realize this was happening. They just didn't. It was unthinkable to them. They couldn't imagine that this was happening. If anyone brought it up to them, they would have assumed that it's already illegal. And now that we're getting the message across that, no, it is happening, um, I think pressure is building in the red states to, to ban this, which is good. Uh, and it's especially important now as Planned Parenthood gets more and more into the child transition game. So Planned Parenthood, we've cut into their business significantly, uh, you know, not allowing them to perform abortions in, in many states. And so they're losing a lot of that child murder money. And now what they're saying is, well, uh, we'll, we'll, try to, we'll try to recoup those losses by, if we can't kill the kids in every state, um, we can at least mutilate and castrate them. And so here's a video that Planned Parenthood put out, an ad for puberty blockers, let's watch this.
1: There's no one-size-fits-all puberty experience. If you're trans, intersex, or non-binary, know that you're not the only one feeling confused. For some intersex people, puberty may start later than age 14. You might experience some of puberty's changes and not others, and your body may or may not go through puberty on its own. There are medicines you can take to help your body start the process, like hormone replacement therapy. Some people decide on hormones or surgeries to help their bodies match up to their gender identity or how they feel inside about themselves. Your gender identity is real. You should be the one to decide what changes you wanna make to your body. If you're transgender or non-binary, you may find that your puberty experiences don't line up with your gender identity or how you see yourself. That feeling can be uncomfortable, scary, and stressful. If that sounds like you, know that you're not alone. There are medicines you can take to delay puberty for a while. They're called puberty blockers, and they work like a stop sign by halting the hormones testosterone and estrogen that cause puberty changes like facial hair growth and periods. Puberty blockers are safe, and can give you more time to figure out what feels right for you, your body, and your gender identity. You don't have to have all of the answers right now. So remember, it's all a work in progress, and it may take time to figure out what feels right to you, but talking to a trusted adult and a nurse or doctor may help. Want to learn more? Go to PlannedParenthood.org teens.
0: These people are just demonic monsters. Uh, and uh, and you know, this is, like I said, this is, it, it's not a coincidence that we're seeing Planned Parenthood. They've been giving out hormones and that sort of thing for years now, but they're doubling down on it now, and that's not a coincidence because this is, it's a money-making operation, we, just like we saw at Vanderbilt. Big money, big money, and it's, it, it's the same here. Um, so they're looking to recoup their losses from not being able to kill as many kids as they were killing before. And so instead they're going to, you know, can't, can't kill the kids. You could still, uh, in effect, kill off parts of them anyway. Now, that right there, 90 seconds, is just kind of a perfect summary of uh, the, the, the misinformation campaign that promotes this stuff. So they begin by talking about intersex and, you know, actual medical conditions. Uh, I mean, there are medical, uh, there's something, you know, there's the medical conditions like, like precocious puberty, for example, where, um, children go through puberty much, much earlier than they're supposed to. So, and then intersex. Now that, that is, uh, those are people that suffer medical conditions, deformities, uh, genetic mutations, and so on. So they, they take that. And they lump that in with trans and gender identity and all the rest of that when the two things are not related at all. And it is perfectly possible, and in fact, in states that have already banned this stuff, they they put things in the law saying that, okay, the the medical and surgical gender transition of minors is illegal. End of sentence. If a child has an actual physical medical condition, like, for example, precocious puberty, then obviously you can treat that. It's it's not hard to delineate between these two things legally or morally because they are completely different. The rest of the video is talking about physically healthy children, say a physically healthy boy who is unambiguously a boy. There's no question about that. Everything is physically normal, but he comes into Planned Parenthood and because he has a certain self-perception, we're going to give him drugs to align himself with that self-perception. And you see this, I, the, 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 the notion of selfhood that you get from the left, where, you know, it's almost like this, there's this constant push and pull and battle and negotiation that goes on between yourself and your body. Okay. It's this, it's this very strange sort of dualism that they envision where yourself is separate from your body and it's it's actually possible to distinguish between the two there's who you are and then there's your body those are two completely different things they say and sometimes they don't align and so there's this it's almost like this this uh, this zero sum game this battle between the two and in order to in order to make yourself align with your body you can take uh, drugs and, and it's just, it's a well, it's a stop sign they always think of new metaphors. maybe it's pausing music or in this case it's just uh, put up a stop sign you could put up a stop sign and your your biology you know your 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 nature will obey that stop sign and just kind of hang out there okay I'll stop here until you decide what you want to do moving forward. But it doesn't work that way. That's not how our bodies work. That's not how nature works. Okay, nature is is an unstoppable force. You can't just put up a stop sign and say, I don't want this. Um, There are things you can do to stymie nature. There are things you can do to try to evade it, to suppress it. You can do do all of that. But you're going to pay a price for it. It's always a trade-off. All right, Representative Cori Bush was on ABC where she was asked about the defund the police movement. And here's what she said about that.
1: You've stuck by it. In fact, you're one of the few Democrats now who still says, let's defund the police. Are you worried at all that that could hurt some of your colleagues going into the midterm elections?
0: See, the, the thing about defund the police is we have to tell the entire narrative. People hear defund the police, but you know what they'll say? Say reallocate, say divest, say move. Uh, but it's still the same thing. We can't get caught up on the words. We've, people spend more time focusing on the word defund than they spend on caring and addressing the problem of police violence in this country. Most mainstream Democrats have run, have have uh, fled from the defund the police movement. They are now uh, terrified of it, and they are hoping, especially as we go into the midterms, that that voters forget any of that ever happened, um, even though it certainly did happen. And as we've played the clips before, uh, in you know, it wasn't all that long ago. I don't know, like a year ago, when every mainstream Democrat, right up to the top, right up to the White House, was coming out in support of defunding the police and Cory Bush is correct that sometimes they used other language. Oh, I don't like the word defund. We'll, uh we'll, how about reallocate? Well, we're not going to we're not going to take the funds away. We're just going to send the funds somewhere else. Which seems the same to me. I don't know. So they're running away from it because as we see, you know, leftist policies um if you're if you're a, a very naive person, leftist policies maybe can sound appealing in theory. Now they don't sound appealing to me, even in theory. But if you're very very naive, maybe maybe they do. I don't know. And so maybe in theory you uh, you, you you might say to yourself, yeah, oh, that sounds kind of nice. So we why why do we want to send cops into every situation? We'll send a therapist. That sounds like a nice idea. If there's someone who's, uh, you know, a bad guy with a gun shooting people, send a therapist there to talk to him. And maybe the bad guy will say, you know what, you're right, I I shouldn't be doing this. He'll drop the gun, turn his life around, and next thing you know, he's a heart surgeon. So if you're very naive, you have no idea how the world works, maybe you find that convincing. But then what happens when... uh, the leftists are able to take these ideas and bring them out of the realm of theory and put them into action. What you find is just uh, abject misery and disaster, which is why Democrats are running away from it. But Cory Bush is not. So I really I appreciate Cory Bush that she's not willing to let this go, and uh, she is going. I think now she has a, a memoir. She just wrote a memoir, so now she's on. This is perfect timing, really. So now she's doing the media. She's doing the media tour to promote her book. And right before the midterms and everywhere she goes, she's reminding people that, no, we as Democrats, we do believe in defunding the police. I appreciate that from her. Here's the latest Project Veritas video. Andy No reports, Tyler Rin is a far-left teacher who resigned in disgrace from Owasa schools, but now teaches in Tulsa Will Rogers High School. Has been exposed in a Project Veritas sting, talking again about indoctrinating students. Uh, let's watch a little bit of this. I don't know how these people keep, I don't know how Project Veritas continues to do this, but, uh, but I appreciate it. I mean, when you're, don't, you know, by now that you're like someone sits down with you and and they want to get you talking about all your crazy left-wing ideas, Don't you get a little suspicious and they've got their, maybe their purse with the hidden camera, you know, right there pointing right at your face. I don't know, but here's the video. I am an anarchist. The only thing that's a problem here is that uh, House Bill 1775 or something. Um, for, um, I can get my license vote for it, for being too broke. But I think it's, you know what I mean? You're not overly, there's ways to. That's what I mean.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, trust me, I want to, like,
0: burn down the entire system. Okay, just to pause it there. He says, I want to burn down the entire system. Here we have a leftist again pretending to be raging against the system. Well, how can you burn down the system? Uh, you, you are the system. This, this is what the system is. You represent the system. As someone who identifies as a far left militant with purple hair and big earrings, you know, uh, that's the system. That is just a perfect representation of the system. So you burn it down. You're burning yourself down. I mean, be my guest. You want to burn down the school system metaphorically? I'm I'm with you. I'll be I'll be right there with you, with a torch, with a metaphorical torch. I mean, let's keep watching. You know what yeah, I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And then, uh, I, I broadcasted too too much last episode. Yeah, but like, um, eventually you want to like remove Christianity from or uh, religion from progressive thought because yes. like religion is hierarchical. Yes, that is Tyler Wrenn. He used to teach at the Iwaso 8th grade center until he resigned
1: last April after these TikTok videos were highlighted by libs of TikTok. If your parents don't love and accept you for who you are this Christmas, f- them. I'm your parents now. I'm proud of you. Drink some water. I love you, bye.
0: I have a rather large TikTok following. Yeah. I'm a, I'm an authority figure, so I'm going to give out a Christmas message of
1: like, hey, if your parents don't love and support you for who you are this Christmas, yeah. f- them, I'm your parents now. Sure. I love you. Drink some water, I'm proud of me. His TikTok page backdoors, his secret curriculum. Here is a list of books that Tyler wants to hide from parents
0: on his TikTok link tree. I would say uh Gen Z is like super progressive. Oh, I know. I taught in Missouri last year, yeah. not not last year, but two years ago. I taught a uh, like a philosophy like 101 class yeah. we took a political quiz. Okay. Uh, we always hear this from these, from these people that uh, you know Gen Z they' they're super progressive they they're, they're totally on board for this. In uh, my film what is a woman which you can watch if you go to what is is something we heard from a lot of the, uh, the the leftists we talked to where they said they said uh, uh, you know Gen Z they're, they're taking they're, you know you know you know who gets it Gen Z the youngest generation they get it they're, they're taking the lead here. And of course, uh, first of all, no, you don't, you don't put the youngest generations in a position of leadership. We don't look to the young generation for leadership. We're supposed to be leading them. So that's backwards to begin with. But also, why are they super progressive? Well, because of you. So he's sitting here admitting that he has embarked on this indoctrination campaign that he's hiding from the parents. And, uh, and then he says, oh, all these kids, they're super progressive. Well, I wonder why that is. When they're indoctrinated pretty much from birth in the public school system, and by the time they get to eighth grade, they're, quote, super progressive. I mean, what a coincidence. Who could have ever imagined that, that outcome? And this is, again, full-on cult indoctrination. It cannot be emphasized enough. That this is, in fact, that's not, uh, I, you know, we, we use the word cult and cultish probably too much. It gets overused. But that is actually what is happening in the public school system. And so if you send your kids to public school, there may be some public schools where it's not as bad as others. Uh, but there isn't any good public school left. Because it's all a part of this system. And it's a fundamentally broken system. But if you send your kid to the public school system then you are sending them in to encounter and endure and probably be uh, destroyed by this cult-like method of indoctrination. What does he do? He says, oh, your parents don't love you. I love you. I'm the one who really cares about you. You don't need your parents. You have me. Now that's a that's a grooming tactic. Also, that's a that's a tactic of a sexual abuser. That's a grooming sexual abuse tactic. Uh, it's also a cult indoctrination tactic. These things are all related. What do you want to do? You 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 sever a person's attachments to other people in their life. If there's any if there's anyone else that a person you, you, the the potential cult in, inductee, uh, if there's anyone else that they look to for advice, for guidance, for leadership. Uh, if they are orienting themselves based on anyone else, you want to sever that relationship because you want them looking to you and to the system that you are a part of. That's what's happening there. All right, the Daily Mail has this rather pathetic uh, story. It says, Howard Stern left his house for the first time in two years to dine with other A-listers, including Jennifer Aniston and Jason Bateman, despite, despite admitting it was too much for the germaphobe. Stern, 68, finally left his $20 million apocalypse bunker in Southampton to enjoy an Israeli meal at Laser Wolf in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, on Friday night after he and his wife Beth were invited out by late night talk show host Jimmy Kimmel. Remember there was a time when Howard Stern was seen as some sort of rebel? He was a kind of provocative, rebellious figure. And now he's this pathetic old man hiding in his mansion for two years and only finally, because he's scared and only finally comes out to have a, a swanky dinner with A-list actors. Despite being in great company, rubbing elbows with the likes of Justin Thoreau and John Hamm, the radio host said he was in a panic the whole time. I said to my wife, I don't want to go. I'm in a panic. I don't want to get COVID. I know our president has told us the pandemic is over and everyone is walking around without masks. I still just don't want to get COVID. Who, as I guess that's what he was saying on his show after the fact. Who is still listening to his show is my question. What's the audience for this? I know the audience, like back in the day, the audience for Howard Stern was just working class men who appreciated Howard Stern because he was politically incorrect and he was, again, a rebellious kind of figure and he just, you know, and he was funny. And so that's why they liked him. Um, are there still working class People are there like uh, plumbers driving to their next job and listening to this 68 year old multi millionaire talk about the fact that he's still scared of COVID. So he hides in his mansion, but he finally went out because he wanted to meet Jennifer Aniston and John Hamm for dinner. Is that the kind of thing that working class people are listening to? So I am curious about that. Who exactly is the audience? Maybe, I mean, probably there just isn't one anymore. But it does go to show how, uh, again, how the COVID panic was always driven, maybe oddly, kind of counterintuitively, by a rejection of our mortality. Not an acknowledgement of it, but a rejection. Okay, it's not that that, uh, the people who are panicking over COVID, and some of them still are, like Howard Stern. It's not that they uh you know they 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 have more of a respect for our frail human condition than the rest of us do no it's it's a, they actually reject their mortality howard stern is almost 70 years old he's only got you know average life expectancy would put him at you know maybe he's got 15 years left if he if he lives the average lifespan for a man on the upper end of that maybe he's got two decades left at most you know, he has lived the vast majority of his life the vast majority of his lifespan is behind him for sure and yet he's hiding in his house so he doesn't get sick as if by so he's he's, he's giving up on you know the last years of his life to avoid dying even though death is a certainty anyway like, Howard, you're, you're definitely going to die within 20 years. Probably sooner than that. It's, it is 100% going to happen. And you're also going to get sick. Um, you're going to get cancer if you haven't already. Did you know that? Every, if you live long enough, everybody gets cancer. Everyone, if you live long enough. Um, if you if you live a life and never get cancer, it's because you died of something else before you could get it. And you can't hide from cancer. You could you could stay in your multi-million dollar bunker for the next 10 years. It's not going to stop cancer from getting you. Cancer comes from within. That's happening inside your body. So what's the point exactly? It's like that, that was what, what, what many of us who were not panicking said all along. It's, no, I, yeah, I, I get that we could die. I understand that. I understand that we're mortal. And But that's why I'm going to continue to live my life because I'm going to die anyway. And it's, it's a, it's a one, it's life has a 100% death rate. So what are you trying to accomplish? Very sad. Um, Oh, we have to mention this from the daily wire. Twitter indicated Tuesday afternoon that they are moving forward with letting Elon Musk acquire the company after the billionaire entrepreneur informed the company in a letter that he wanted to proceed with the purchase for the original offer of $54 and 20 cents per share. Musk made the proposal in a letter to Twitter executives, which sent share prices surging by as much as 22%. The company said in a statement, Twitter issued this statement about today's news. We received the letter from Musk parties, which they have filed with the SEC. The intention of the company is to close the transaction at $54.20 per share. Uh, Twitter had been battling Musk in court over his attempt to cancel a previous offer to buy the company for $44 billion. Musk had expressed concern that the actual share of fake accounts on the platform could range as high as 33% rather than the company's reported 5%. So, so anyway, he was trying to get out of it. But it seems like he realized that he was going to lose in court. And so now, now Elon Musk is being forced to purchase this multi-billion dollar company, which I mean this is like the kind of problem you can only have if you're the richest man in the world. You're being forced to purchase a multi-billion dollar company. Um, maybe, unfortunate for him, works out great for the rest of us. I mean, I couldn't be happier about it. Um, because it, it seems as though Elon Musk is actually going to take over Twitter. And I am just going to go crazy on Twitter with the misgendering. I'm going to be misgendering everybody all over the place. And I am very excited for that. Now, there are two reactions to this that I want to note, kind of representative of the of the whole. So first, this is from Ben Collins, who's a uh, senior reporter for NBC News. And he obviously is very upset about this. And he says, for those of you asking, yes, I do think this site can and will change pretty dramatically if Musk gets control over it. No, there is no immediate replacement. If it gets done early enough, based on the people he's aligned with, yes, it could actually affect the midterms. Uh, If Musk is really taking this site private, There are no real guardrails anymore. Rulemaking can be capricious. He can elevate any idea or person he wants through recommendations and UX choices, and there will be no oversight on this as a private company. This is great for a few reasons. First of all, he's he's admitting that Twitter suppresses and censors and uh, does it to help the Democrats in the midterms. And uh, what that means is that if they're not able to do that anymore, then it will affect the midterms, and it will be worse for the Democrats. But I also love how he says that that well, when Musk takes over, there's rulemaking will now now all of a sudden rule, the rules on Twitter will be arbitrary and capricious. Yes, I can only imagine. It's it's you know that's that's it's hard to imagine a scenario where Twitter or any other social media company would have arbitrary and capricious rules that are enforced unfairly and unevenly targeting certain groups of people while letting others off the hook. Can you imagine that? I can't. Nothing like it has ever happened. I also can't imagine this from Robert Reich, a Berkeley professor. He says, when multi-billionaires take control of our most vital platforms for communication, it's not a win for free speech. It's a win for oligarchy. Well, once again, uh, I also cannot imagine this. I cannot imagine m- billionaires o- owning social media companies. This will be the first one. Elon Musk will be the first billionaire. It's kind of Maybe it's, he's breaking a glass ceiling in a certain way. He's going to be the first bili- billionaire, apparently, um, really the first rich guy to own a social media platform. Before this, all the social media platforms were were owned by working class people. They were owned by, you know, like plumbers, and they were owned by working class people. You know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, even Twitter prior to this. The the, the Twitter board consisted of, I guess, I don't know, school teachers and uh, electricians and people who work at Walmart. Is what we're supposed to believe, anyway? Which, of course, is totally absurd. Now let's get to the comment section.
1: Who makes a Twitter mob fly off the handle with rage? Who's to blame? It's a sweet baby game.
0: Scott says Knowles told us today that you did, you two did, in fact, decide on what the best, uh, on what the bet would be in your fantasy football game, and he's saying that because you lost, you took your. He took your Sweet Daddy title and wants to be called Sweet Daddy Knowles. But don't worry, Daddy, because all your sweet babies know this is just an outrageous lie, and we will not acknowledge his self-proclaimed title. Trust Me says, hey, Matt, I've been a mole on Michael Knowles' show, and he's actively claiming the Sweet Daddy title and viciously slandering you. I did the best I could to pop his bubble and stand up for the SBG, but unfortunately, comments on a YouTube video can only do so much. Stand up and fight. You've earned the title and no one else can claim it. SBG for life. So I've got a lot of comments like this. Uh, Knowles apparently is just moving forward and referring to himself as sweet daddy, uh, appropriating our culture. He's he's In fact, this is cultural appropriation of the sweet baby gang. And he's doing that also when he knows that I'm out traveling the country for my What Is A Woman college tour so I can't confront them on it directly. But the fact remains that, yes, we talked about a bet for our fantasy football matchup this past weekend. We talked about it, but we never settled on on what the bet was. You can can go back, check the tape, all right? Go back, watch the members block, I think from from this past Friday. We discussed what the bet might be, what happens if you lose, and we talked about various different things. Um, I suggested that if he loses, he should have to eat a whole jar of mayonnaise just because that's the first thing that came to mind. It would be gross and funny to watch him try to attempt it, but we never settled on it. We never, we never arrived at any conclusion. We said we would reconvene. We never did. And so what that means is the bet was off by default. And then I went on to lose, but even so the bet was off. You can see it for yourself. Uh, John Smith says Matt Walsh isn't some based conservative he's just a regular dad from the 90s that accidentally tripped into a time wormhole and started a podcast I don't know if you meant that as an insult or, or not but uh, but I, I have I take no issue with that characterization I think that that's actually a pretty good description that that is that is how we should start describing the show in its description on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Um. Gen Z says, "I knew this letter calling on the DOJ to arrest you was coming. I just knew it, and I knew that you would never back down. This truly is your mission, Matt. Thank you so much. We're with you all the way." Uh, well, of course it's not. I mean, this is. Here's what I would say: if if I ever backed away from this, and said, "Well, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about this issue anymore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna de-emphasize it," or you know maybe maybe the other side, maybe there is something to what they're, to what they're saying. If I ever said that, then it really, you should assume that I've completely lost my mind. You should call guys in white coats to come take me away, because it would mean that I've completely lost it, but that would also never happen. There is, as I said, literally nothing they could threaten because then I'd be what abandoning objective truth. And once you abandon objective truth, there's nowhere else to go. There's nothing else to do. There's, there's nothing else to talk about. Um, Eyes Like the Summer says, one of my favorite quotes from uh, as far back as my childhoods is, uh, I wish, I, this is from Lord of the Rings, I guess. I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. From the fellowship of the ring a little bit of inspiration there from lord of the rings which i'm fine with a brand new series is available now on daily wire plus and it's called breakaways with allison williams if you don't know the story allison was a successful espn uh, sideline reporter but when the espn made the vaccine mandatory for all employees she refused to get it for very valid reasons. She was trying to get pregnant and was worried about the potential side effects. Rather than take the risk, she quit. Well, on breakaways, Allison sits down with athletes who took a stand for their beliefs. The first four episodes feature Jonathan Isaac, Nick Rolovic, uh, Ennis Cantor, Freedom, and Dana White. Those episodes are available right now. With four episodes coming soon, four more episodes rather coming soon. Head to dailywire.com/walsh right now to become a member and watch the series. That's dailywire.com/walsh. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So last week, a brand new dating app launched. Uh, it enters into a crowded marketplace already populated by something like 65 million other dating apps. But it seeks to set itself apart by specifically targeting conservatives. Um, some people from the Trump camp, apparently, have teamed up with Peter uh, Thiel to bring us what they're, what's called The Right Stuff, which is a service which says that it was created for conservatives to connect in authentic and meaningful ways. Um, Other dating apps have gone woke, the website reads, but we bring people together with shared values and similar passions. Now, a commercial for the app went viral on social media last week, and here it is, check it out. Today, we brought in a group of conservative young women and wanted to get their honest opinions about what they're looking for in the guys they date. What are you looking for in a partner?
1: They just have to be a conservative. Definitely someone that wants to have kids. I like an independent man. Personally, I like the alpha male vibe. I want a
0: man who really loves his family. Definitely someone whose faith is important to them.
1: For me, it's someone who actually wants to meet my parents.
0: Why do you want to date a conservative?
1: For me, at least I know that we're going to start off with some shared values. Well, the conservative men I've dated at least know how to treat me like a woman. In my personal experience, conservative guys have better manners. I like that they understand their role in the relationship as a man. I just prefer my men to be masculine.
0: And what's the biggest red flag when it comes to dating?
1: A Democrat. No Democrats. A Democrat. Can't be a Democrat. Yeah. A Democrat. That's easy. A Democrat. No Democrats. So no.
0: <laughs> Find the right match. Download the right stuff today. Now, the acting in the commercial may not be award-worthy exactly, but then again, the acting in most commercials isn't award-worthy. The main point is the concept, and it's the concept that the left has been mocking relentlessly. Almost all of the reporting on the new app is focused on how much people hate it and are making fun of it. Uh, The Independent reports, quote, people are mocking new conservative dating app the right stuff. And the article helpfully documents some of the lame jokes that trolls have made about it. Quote, Conservatives are such dorks launching a dating app called The Right Stuff, one person tweeted, while another said, The Right Stuff dating app sounds like the stuff nightmares are made of. Can't wait to not sign up, someone else joked. These are apparently the best insults they could find for this article. Proving yet again that although leftists may love to troll, which is a passion that I, in fact, share with them, they are really not very good at it. Meanwhile, The Daily Dot reports, Uh, quote, some had a hard time believing that most young women looking for love would be content with the type of relationship dynamic this ad suggests. Quote, "Uh, wait until their masculine conservative says, when I want your opinion, I'll ask for it. Or calls you every day at noon to ask what's for supper and tells you how his mother did it. Another person tweeted, one Twitter user observed that the right stuff is basically the dating app version of a safe space for right wingers. Quote, "Let's let's connect to hate immigrants and women's rights. Someone else quipped, Another joke. someone said they're trying to build a domestic terrorist database. Well, if I wanted to build a database of the lamest nerds with the worst insults, I think we could probably, we're off to a good start here. Although there may actually be some truth to what the last guy said, I I wouldn't be surprised if the feds used an app like this to catfish and entrap conservatives. Now, the good news, though, is that you can usually spot the federal agents based on the haircut, or if he starts suggesting you know, on the first date that you should try to kidnap the governor or something, then that's uh, you know, a pretty good indication. But in any case, other leftist outlets have accused the right stuff of, uh, of uh, many other things, promoting misogyny, promoting traditional gender roles, God forbid. They've blasted it for being archaic, old-fashioned, divisive, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They've mocked it, belittled it, been offended by it, and so on. They just really hate the idea of conservatives trying to meet each other, get married, have babies, They really do hate it. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Noah got in on the action this week with a a painfully unfunny skit ridiculing the conservative dating app. On the bright side, the bit did extend Trevor Noah's perfect unbroken streak of unfunny jokes. And he just announced that he's leaving The Daily Show apparently soon. Um, So it looks like he'll retire with a batting average of 1,000 when it comes to being painfully witless and unfunny. So congratulations to him. It is an impressive accomplishment. But there are a few things here, a few points to make, I think. First, you have to keep in mind that the people who make fun of things like this are, almost without exception, single, childless, and lonely, and likely destined to always remain so. Uh, Much of what drives so many people in our society today is the fact that they are lonesome and miserable, and they want you to be lonesome and miserable, too. It's, It's one of the universal, timeless facts of life. Misery loves company. Why does Misery Love Company? Well, because miserable people tend to believe that happiness is kind of graded on a curve. So if they can make everyone else less happy, then their own happiness score sort of is is raised when compared against the average. Now, the math doesn't really work that way, but that won't stop them from employing that strategy anyway. In fact, they will not only try to steer you away from things that will make you happy, but will even try to convince you that you are unhappy when you aren't. So, for example, ever since I announced that we have another set of twins on the way, I have heard many nasty comments from trolls insisting that I cannot actually be happy as a married man with six kids. The idea of finding contentment and joy in a life of service to my wife and children simply doesn't compute with these shallow, flimsy, self-centered little nothings. Their lives are devoted entirely to their TVs and their phones and maybe their pets So I will grow old with my children and grandchildren by my side. They will grow old with their TikTok accounts, and then they'll die and be forgotten and leave behind no legacy. This is the path to fulfillment, they insist. And since my path is the opposite of what they've chosen, they must convince me that I should be miserable about my life choices. But that's an impossible uphill battle, because sadly for them, I love my wife and children and can't imagine a life without them. Second point, I don't know anything about this particular dating app aside from the commercial. I don't know if the if the user base is large enough for it to actually work. I don't know anything about the app's functionality or lack thereof. When it comes to the execution, it could be a great service. It could be terrible. It could be somewhere in between. I'm not really in a position to test out dating apps. So I can't I can't give you a personal testimony one way or another. But what I can say is that the idea behind it, the idea that people on the left are deriding ruthlessly is good. And I want to focus on that, on on, on the idea, just the idea for a moment. Because if you are a mature adult, not looking to waste time, not looking for cheap hookups, but rather desiring a healthy and committed and serious relationship, most dating apps currently on the market are a waste of time because they simply are not designed to facilitate that sort of thing. They're not designed for you. They're designed for and mostly used by people who uh, want to use each other for momentary pleasure and then move on to the next. So it can be difficult to sift through all of that debris to find actual spouse material. For that, um, you need to find someone who shares your fundamental values. Uh, You don't need to align perfectly on every last issue. You're not looking for your carbon copy. My wife is not a carbon copy of me. I, I, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want to marry me. I don't know how she does it, frankly, but we do share our core values and beliefs. We're building from the same foundation. And if you build from the same foundation, it's okay to disagree about some of the furnishings and decorations and everything, which we do in my marriage in a both literal and figurative sense. The other key is that both people in a relationship have to see marriage as the logical and desired endpoint of dating. Dating is is not an end in itself, but rather a vehicle that takes you somewhere else. So you have to look at it. It's a, it's a, a vehicle. Um, and if both people cannot agree on the destination, or even that there is a destination, you just remain stuck in neutral forever until one or both of you gets bored and bails out of the car, which will likely happen very quickly. And finally, the, the man in the relationship must embrace his role as a man and the woman as a woman. A relationship doesn't work if both people involved don't understand that they bring something unique and essential to the arrangement. That's what the, 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 the much-hated and feared gender roles are really about. It's just about emphasizing and acknowledging and highlighting the fact that as a man, you bring something unique and special to the relationship. As a woman, you bring something unique and special. By rejecting sex differences and gender roles entirely, people in romantic relationships make themselves redundant and useless with no idea about what they're supposed to do or why. Confusion and paralysis sets in, and then the whole thing breaks down. So it certainly is the right approach, the the right stuff, you might say, to go into the dating scene looking for someone who shares your values, who sees marriage as the end goal of dating, and who embraces their masculinity as a man or their femininity as a woman. Now, whether this particular dating app will successfully facilitate all that, I don't know. But I do know, certainly, that the leftist critics in this case are today canceled. And that will do it for us today. Uh, Talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed.